0: And now, the starting lineup for your... Jay Staines, what's up, guys? I'm a slacker. <laughs> I'm not going to debate you, Jerry.
1: God bless the internet.
0: What the hell's going on out here? Oh, fuck it. Hello, and welcome to Flicking and Screaming. I am Jed Sprague, here with my co-host, Evan Fagundis. Hello. And a man who was into the patriarchy when he thought it was all about horses, one Mr. J.T. Shipman.
1: What's going on?
0: And this week we are taking two feet into the Mojo Dojo Casa house to talk about the Barbie movie directed by Greta Gerwig. But before we get into that, gentlemen, how are we doing? Chip, how are you, my friend? I'm so good. I
1: am so happy to be here. Um, couldn't be more excited to enjar- embark on this uh, conversation with you guys.
0: There you go, Same. Evan.
1: Same.
2: I- I'm doing really well. I can't wait for this conversation. I feel like there's something about doing these episodes um, in the summer that I really enjoy. I love uh, I love doing summer pods. I love when movies are are good over the summer, or at least we have movies to talk about over the summer, and Yeah, I'm good. I'm getting ready. I got a uh, wedding next weekend. I feel like there's a lot of big stuff coming. I'm super excited for our episode that's going to drop this week in the week that I'm actually talking about uh, or that we're we're in currently right now recording in. Um, I think that's going to be a lot of fun, but yeah, can't complain. Jed, how are you doing?
0: No, I'm good. Uh, I'm down at the in-laws right now. We don't do video podcasts, but uh, as my co-host can see, I'm currently podcasting from the passenger seat of my mother-in-law's car which is parked in the garage uh so i'm a little sweaty it's quite hot um but you know i am in i feel like i'm in the right in the right zone um you know i'm in in barbie's dream car uh i'm ready to talk about this movie i'm ready to defend greta gerwig's honor uh with that being said not to spoil too much we're going to get into this uh chat about the barbie movie but maybe for a first time in flicking and screaming history it there could be a bit of a row could be some differing Mm. opinions on on uh tonight's podcast so Uh, I think I'll just start with this question. Uh, Chip, do you have a Mojo Dojo Casa House?
1: The Mojo Dojo Casa House for me is a state of mind. You know, Mm. I actually carry it with me no matter where my physical being may be in the office, you know, driving to a coffee shop, coming home from work, kind of kind of always in that state.
0: Amazing. Did you like this movie, JT Chipman?
1: I don't think I did. And I don't want to come in guns blazing. That is not what I was hoping for from my Barbenheimer experience, which we should say. I did Barbenheimer. Um, did Oppenheimer mm. first. So I guess I did Oppen Barbie. I don't know if there's mm. a true clinical term for the reverse order.
0: I just just an Oppie. Just a straight Oppie. Oppen Arby. Um, Oppen Arby. <laughs> Oppen Arby. Did not, did not have, have any Arby. We have the nukes. Oppen Arby. We have the nukes. Evan. <laughs> Evan, what uh, what do you think of this movie? Um I liked it. I liked
2: it. I will say going into this movie my expectations were so high. My expectations m- might have been more high for Barbie than Oppenheimer. And and I only bring that up and I I do want to stop talking about that that movie just because it came out on the same day. Um but I loved Greta Gerwig's first two movies so much that I was going into this movie just, you know, almost expecting or or anticipating getting my um, boots absolutely blasted off and i don't know if that quite happened but i did enjoy the movie and i thought like the highs of this movie were extremely high
0: i I think that's a very interesting thing uh that we need to talk about is i think it's really hard to separate this This is greta gerwig's i mean what third and a half feature film Mm -hmm. um really her third solo directorial debut and i think through two even, I don't, but I don't think this has changed with Barbie is, is she's kind of taken on the mantle as like the millennial filmmaker, Um, you know, kind of the voice of, I would say our generation, I know we're all kind of like bridge years between millennials and Gen Z's. I definitely identify much more with like millennial uh, culture than I do with, with Gen Z culture, but uh, her movies, I think have spoken to me um, in a very uh, visceral and personal way uh, over her first couple of films. And so I kind of walked into Barbie. I get, I think I agree with, with sky high expectations, but something that I was like very, um, cautious of is the fact that this was a Barbie movie. I was very much like walking in being like, all right, what can the ceiling for a movie about a toy, you know like for like a famous toy franchise actually be and so for me with kind of that level setting before i walked in it kind of blew me out of the water in that aspect as far as like how well it was executed how much stuff i feel like she got away with how little i feel like she had to compromise on a vision and a delivery on that vision uh to make this movie, like there were some jokes that I could not believe were in this movie, and I think it would have been very easy for Mattel to just be like, no, 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 no. And again, I'm not like giving credit to Mattel, you know, I'm not like big corporation writing, but what it showed to me is how hard Greta Gerwig worked um, in order to make this movie what it was, mm-hmm. uh, and and I I really, really, really liked it, um, and so I'm interested to kind of get into. A little bit more behind like why you guys, you know, in chip's case, maybe we're much more you know, kind of negative on it in Evan's case, a little more lukewarm, like good, maybe good, not great. Um, we all could probably agree, and we can maybe get this out of the out of the way, is firmly three out of three on the list of Greta Gerwig's movies, right? Yeah, if we want to start right there, yeah,
2: i'd I'd have it, I'd have it third out of three. But the other two are like generational. Bangers.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's almost it's it's an unfair game. And I think that's one of a few presuppositions that I brought into this movie with me that I think were ultimately a little bit unfair is bringing Little Woman and Ladybird to the pedestal and under and and hoping Barbie would live up to it. And it didn't, and I think we all agree it didn't. The levels of disagreement are one thing that we can talk about, but yeah, it's it's third. Mo- if anything, that's a testament to the top two. Uh, absolutely. Jed, yeah, you, I, you have it three.
0: Yeah, I have it at three. I think I have it like much closer, but I agree. Evan, I think it has more to do with like the credit I give to the first two. I think the, I think Lady Bird, I think is a movie that I will will never leave like my top five favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And I think Little Women is is, uh, like generational. Such a special movie. And I think the further we get away from twenty nineteen, the more like holy shit, that was a great year for movies. Mm-hmm. When like Little Women was like what the arguably, like, the fifth, sixth best movie of that year. Um, but, yeah, I think both those first two are, are absolutely generational. Um, and I, I don't know. It's it's hard. I, I want – I'm trying to figure out how to talk about this. And I think the best way for me to, to like, start it off – I want to know, like, what you guys didn't like about it. I, I think – I, you don't want to structure the conversation that way. That's fine. I want to talk. I,
2: well, can if if we if we do want to start there, I'm not sure we absolutely should, but I do want to talk about the experience of seeing it a little bit because I feel like that was yeah bananas. Who, yeah, you guys both saw it opening weekend, right? Um. Yes, I saw it on Sunday. Chipped it. Oh, we both saw it on Sunday. And I think you, we guys, both
1: saw it on Sunday. Yeah,
2: because I you did. You with Heimer the women Sunday. in
0: your life? Yes. You both saw it with we the women did. in your life. We Correct. did.
2: And my theater was Jeddos the Presidio Theater, um, small neighborhood theater in great, great in the theater. Marina in San Francisco. Awesome little theater. Um, line a block long to get in of people who'd already <laughs> bought their tickets online. Like that, I have never seen more than twenty people, I believe, when I saw Thor, and, Thor: Love and Thunder last year. In in this screening, there was about twenty five people in the theater or so. Um, this theater was packed. It was one of the coolest, and everyone was wearing pink. It was one of the coolest things I've I've seen in a long time.
1: You know, Evan, uh, your your five-star review of Thor Love and Thunder really inspires me. I often pull it up on Letterboxd when I want to uh, be reinvigorated for my love of cinema. It, so,
2: I, it, you know, I should have mentioned that 25-person screening was actually the fourth time that I'd seen that film in cinema. <laughs> so uh, you, you are right. I was a big fan.
0: Quick story about so, it. It hold on a quick story about the presidio theater because when i lived in i know this is going to derail the podcast but this is actually like quite funny uh and the friend who is part of this story listens to the podcast so i i believe he deserves a shout out but uh when avengers end game came out and everyone was like hyping it up it was the week after its release so it's like i think it was it was like wednesday the following week after it had been released and i had tickets to go see it that weekend with rachel who was traveling, and we were going to go see it in IMAX. Uh, I can't remember. I think one of the, like the AMC. I can't remember uh, where. But uh, me and my friend Natter, um, while Rachel was out of town, we got wine drunk at a wine bar that was like just down the street from the Presidio Theater in the Marina, and we just like caved to the pressure and bought last-minute tickets to see Avengers Endgame on like the tiniest theater screen possible mm-hmm. in like an absolute packed sold theater. And I kept up the charade for like the whole weekend that I hadn't seen it. And I remember when like Rachel looked at me when, uh, when everything was happening through, she's like, well, and then I walked out and I finally had to admit Man, I've already seen it. And she's like, what? I couldn't believe that uh, me and, and my buddy, Notter, who is an app Ab- podcast <laughs> listener. So hello, Notter. Uh, thank you for your support. Uh, we had to, one too many cab fronks and uh, wandered into Avengers endgame. And like, I think we held each other. We embraced each other. Uh, wow. you know, And, and, and cried, even though like, I don't, I don't think I'd seen like that many Marvel movies at that point. I was just like, yeah, I got swept up in the whole theater being like, Oh my God. Anyway, didn't mean to derail the conversation. Just uh, Presidio theater is fucking awesome. Love that theater.
1: One of these days, it would be fun to kind of dissect our individual relationships with Marvel and with superheroes because we just don't talk about it on this podcast. Uh, Outside of that, we don't talk about (laughs) any superhero movies, which I'm okay with. I'm very happy with that decision. Um, but maybe it'd be interesting maybe maybe that's when we're together in person again and we get a little ha- have some cabs and uh, talk about our relationship okay. with superhero movies that that's
2: we, true we make an exception for a uh, batman but outside yeah. of that we we talk about absolutely nothing because it's not just marvel like we didn't talk about suicides we never talk about like, suicide squad or anything <laughs> yep. and like some of those movies are weirdly liked, it seems
1: like you know by by a broad yeah audience than just like the people people were right for james gunn but so my experience we did barbenheimer and we did oppenheimer first Mm -hmm. um walked out of the theater we were like that was amazing and we also were very depressed so we went and drank some tequila and and had some subway uh which was fantastic so we actually left the movie theater it was very important (laughs) uh, that's awesome it was it was really good
0: what what did you guys i need to know the logistics did you guys take shots of tequila and then walk into a subway in order or was it like once you had your subway mm, then that's you correct drinking? nope
1: that's you had it right the first wow. time oh, that's my God. awesome tequila Kevin, the you, italian bm you need to you need can I have chicken, to chicken bacon, bacon ranch movie?
2: please can you toast it make sure it's toasted you do need uh, a drink after that movie
1: make sure honor. it's toasted like our universe is going to be thanks to <laughs> dr Oppie. um So we we literally, no, we sat in the car for like 45 minutes and just talked about Oppenheimer and Mm -hmm. talked to ourselves basically in circles. And then we sat down for Barbie again. Never seen the theater that packed probably since Endgame. Um, Mm -hmm. The movie opens with 2001 A Space Odyssey, which we had seen Mm -hmm. kind of in the teaser trailer. and I was like, cool. I'm glad they're bringing this into the movie because I really enjoyed this trailer. And then the music starts playing, and I just it just kind of goes downhill from there. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> and part of it, it's it's tough because again, coming off of Oppenheimer, you're feeling very nihilistic, existential. There's a lot of dread in your mind, so that doesn't help. Mm-hmm. But I think also like so it's it, it's a very poppy song. They play the song a couple of times that they begin with, and it like the song starts talking to Barbie and I'm just immediately off-put. Like the song is interacting with what Barbie is doing, and I just immediately am completely off my groove with whatever the movie is doing.
0: Wow, Um, I can't, that was the moment I bought in. I was just like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, this is what we're doing here. Uh, um, So since, if you have been so brave as to admit your potential negative biases, I will uh, admit my potential positive biases. So I don't get to go to the theater that much. B- bias number one, like, right. Like anytime I go to the theater, I'm just predisposed to be like <laughs> amazing. Fucking loved it. Um, but also this is the first movie since Top Gun Maverick that I've been able to go see with my wife in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. We got a, we got a babysitter. We had penciled this in on the calendar. You know, when Barbie comes out, she's going to see it. Rachel had Barbies growing up. Um, Barbie dolls were gift like, like kind of like limited edition Barbie dolls were gifted to her every year by her grandmother. Uh, um, until her grandmother passed away when, when she was still very young. Um, so it's not like she's got like an adult, weird adult relationship with Barbie, but it's something that was her life, and she loves, you know, Greta Bird. She loved Little Women. So, yeah, I mean, all that considered, I was very predisposed to enjoying this movie. But I I did have, you know, some doubts. Like, it wasn't completely, you know, positive throughout. I think I balked a little bit. Um, in kind of the middle beginning, and really it was when they left Barbie Land. Like from then on, I was pretty bought in. You know, oh. from that montage, I really liked it. Actually, mm. so you were the op- you were the opposite, Evan. You kind I, of were like,
2: I was, guys. I sat down in this theater, and this movie started. I was so in, and I really wasn't sure about the two thousand one. Th- like coming out of the the teaser trailer i thought it was funny um but i I really was not expecting that to be in the movie like i kind of thought that was like a one-off marketing thing um and i I liked it i loved the look of the prosthetic legs that they used um for the monolith you know i just thought that was like a really funny super practical and i feel like that did sort of set the tone for how practical um lots of the barbie effects were going to be and when they opened up like when the camera swung in and it looked like somebody looking into a a play Barbie house like it it for it it was so plastic um I, I don't know I was so into the artificiality of it and and I'm going to talk about that throughout the episode but those were by far my favorite parts of the movie were when everyone was acting like toys like 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 yeah. a person was standing playing with toys moving them around this like magical land i i just loved that stuff so much i loved her like sliding down the slide and all the like you know the the uh, toast popping out of the toaster and all that i don't know i was so in on that i was so in on the beach um i was really coming out of the first 20 minutes of the movie i was like are am i about to watch a five-star barbie movie like that's There's the like that's
1: that. that's absolutely the best parts of the movie is the production design, yeah. the sets that were built, the movement in the sets, you know. We'll talk a little bit later about kind of the musical numbers and those older references, I think. Um but it does pay a lot of love I think to, you know, kind of the golden age of Hollywood with physical sets and that is Mm -hmm. something that we're all talking about that we're all vying for that we're not looking for you know digital uh camera work that we're not not digital camera work but like digital effects and visual effects that's not like the number one thing that drives us to movies we want real things we want physical sets that are are built by real people and then put in place by real people that real actors then uh mosey around in and and i have to applaud Greta for that because she really made barbie
0: land uh pop Mm mm-hmm yeah, without a doubt. I thought like all the plasticness of it, and and just kind of like the uh, manufacturing environment. I thought really worked in her favor, and I was kind of just in awe of how much attention to detail there was, and like even the, the like small decisions to like. Not have there be anything in the milk cartons, right? And like have all yeah. that be fake. So it worked so well, like you said, it was like this experience of like these are toys that are being played with, right? Like they're in this Barbie world that is like conscious, but it did feel, uh, it did like feel intentionally and incredibly manufactured, and and so I I really like that. I did too, and like I so many good choices.
2: I loved the camera being straight on a lot of the time that they're in Barbie land because it's, it's set up toys. All right. Like even when the camera um, cuts from one shot to another, like on the beach, people are posed like the four bar or the five Barbies sitting on the bleachers on the beach, which is a a hilarious thing too, right? Like you always got to figure out ways to have people sitting around, you know, like when you're playing with toys, but um, they're, they're posed. So when it cuts, it's almost like they're still pictures. And then you know, they're they're talking, and even that's like a little bit stilted. But I'm very curious, like, you know, how did, like chip did that the, I feel like that artificiality is something that kind of wasn't playing as much for you. Or maybe it was it just that it was feeling so meta because of like the song, you know, interacting with the characters as if it was it, it, in real time,
1: yeah, that's more of a script thing for me. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a performance thing, but I would say it's a little bit more of a script thing for me. Um, i it's just tough when i think when I find that a lot of the best jokes were in the trailers. Now mm. again, that that's presupposition number two that I think I'm or or you know outside experience number two that I'm bringing into the movie is I've seen the trailers because I'm very excited for this movie. It's mm-hmm. a Greta Gorig movie with Margo Robbie and Ryan Gosling. I yeah. am very excited. I want to know what's going on. I watch the trailers. They also, credit to the marketing campaign, you kind of couldn't escape them. So even if I wasn't actively going out and watching them on YouTube, when I'm watching The Bachelorette on Monday That's nights, true. I'm going to see that trailer, which is totally okay. And, and again, props to them. But when the hardest I laugh in the movie is when I'm thinking about, or when I'm, again, re-watching a trailer joke, uh, the flat feet moment, for example, that you're talking about, Evan, when they're all staged on the bleachers. That's a mm-hmm. funny joke. I'd seen it a few times already. Um, mm-hmm. and nothing else really landed for me in the same way that those jokes did.
0: Oh man, you, t- <laughs> like, you telling me that all the shit with the Ken's, like all the man fun, like the, the jokes about the mansplaining and shit, like that was like peak comedy for me. It like, was funny.
1: All right, all right, it let's wasn't get in, funnier let's- than some of the jokes that I had seen already though, in my all opinion. Right,
0: let's get it, Let's get into it. I think. Let's get into some of our favorite moments, and then we can maybe say, like, some things that didn't work for us. So what were some favorite moments for you, Evan? So favorite moments,
2: I will say, like, the the first 20 minutes of this movie, and I'd say a huge part of that, was Margot Robbie. I was – I was – like you're saying, Chip, and I think like all of us, very excited about a Margot Robbie movie. The last movie that I'd seen her in was Babylon, which I absolutely loved. Um, Chip, I know you're Babylon Hive as well. Jed, I believe you like Babylon quite a bit too. Um, yeah, Love you gave Babylon. it yeah I'm in the hive. Uh, Come yeah. On. Um yeah. and uh, and Margot home. was was great in that. Um and it was really cool right before it came out. I, I was reading a little bit more about how involved she was in the production of this movie. I didn't realize that, but I just you thought she credit. was. Yeah, she picked Greta. She was the one who optioned it. You know, she she and her husband's uh, production studio, like that's really her company. That's cool stuff. Um, I don't know. I thought she was killing it. So like, my, I think my favorite moments were just seeing her as Barbie, and it just very much working for me. Even like the way she slid down the slide and stuff. I I thought that stuff was so intentional and. Uh, and I don't know, just helped with my buy-in a lot. I thought she was e- extremely um, engaging.
1: Yeah, Jed, you talked about the Ken moments being really funny, and I think there are a lot of really good. I mean, we we saw some of what Gosling was going to be doing, but the the various like meta references and jokes to like the Godfather movies or like uh, Matchbox Twenty or whatever like those. Oh. There's definitely were some good jokes there, um, and we'll probably talk more about them later. I thought those were well executed, and it you know they could kind of have like unreserved digs at people like us and i felt like i was able to take that on the chin pretty well i I didn't feel like especially with how much gerwig you know speaks about classic movies you know it it clearly it wasn't coming from a place of derision i didn't think um i think it was more of like a gentle nudging which if even if it was derision I think we can all take that in good spirit. Um, but I want to give just, a shout out to like Kate, the Kate McKinnon scenes. I thought that mm, she was doing as, yeah. what was her name? Ugly Barbie weird, or weird Barbie. weird Barbie. Weird Barbie. Okay. That's mm. better. That's better than ugly Barbie. I think, um, but Kate McKinnon is as, as weird Barbie. I thought was actually really good. And I've not always been the biggest fan of Kate McKinnon, you know, every now and then good for, um, like a solid, th- uh, two run, maybe bases clearing double on SNL. Um, mm. And I thought she she brought some of that same energy here that she might bring to like a Californian sketch on SNL. Um, I really enjoyed that camaraderie that she had with with Margot Robbie, as well as like, you know, they did like some heist planning a little bit. And I got a good kick out of that.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, You kind of mentioned like like the Ken moments and like the digs. I didn't I did not feel like this movie was like one sided in its digs whatsoever. I thought it kind of didn't pull punches on anyone. Um, and so it, it really made the, uh, I don't know. It made all the Ken jokes like land. And like, there were some that like made you want to like, I don't know, like for me, (laughs) the matchbox 20 thing. And then also like the stopping in the middle of the street to teach, uh, one of the Barbies how to, how to use Photoshop like that. I was just like, Oh no, (laughs) like, it just, I was like, Oh, that's what that's like. Brutal. Like I am, I am a terrible human being. Like (laughs) I need to be better about myself um yeah and like rachel was hitting me during the matchbox 20 thing she just was like laughing and looking was at
1: she me literally like, like doing the nudge to you like hey
0: so bad it wasn't even a nudge it was fully like openly yeah. cackling yeah. in my face like when that yeah. happened um yeah which is which is fair uh but but yeah i think those things really worked for me and i thought like what like Margot Robbie, hundred percent was like huge standout. I thought she was able to like go back and forth between that like very plastic, very artificial performance, and then like show incredible emotion just on a dime. And really like I I thought delivered on like the emotional weight of the movie. Um, and it, yeah, I thought that was incredible. And then I really just love. I did love Ryan Gosling as Ken. I thought he was so good. I thought I thought it he worked, and I thought using him as kind of like not not the main foil, but like you know a a foil uh, to kind of tell that story. I was actually surprised. I will say how much time we ended up spending back in Barbie Land. I thought once once they left Barbie Land, it was going to be like the whole movies in the real world, and then they but they them coming back and like saving Barbie Land as like the crux um, of the plot was uh, it really worked for me. I I really, really enjoyed that moment. I think anytime they did a montage, it was awesome. Uh, really loved those moments. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I think the emotional, you know, the, the main emotional moments, they worked for me and like, yes, did it, uh, did it probably help Greta Gerwig's case that like my wife, who is a mother of two little girls was sitting in the seat next to me, just like bawling her eyes out. Of course, like that helped the emotion hit, you know, for me a lot more than maybe it would have in another circumstance. But I think like, I was fortunate enough to get to see it through like unique eyes because of that. Um, whereas I don't know if I would have had the same appreciation, um, in a different manner. And, and, you know, and and Rachel, my wife was saying, she's like, yeah, I think like, she had some friends that liked it, but didn't love it. I had other friends that loved it. And the really common denominator was like all the moms really loved it. Like all the women who were mothers, like those, that like really seemed to land for them. Um, Like even just the earlier moments where they cut to who Barb, like who's actually playing with Barbie. And it's all the memories are America Ferreira's characters' memories. It's not actually like the little girl's memories. It's the memories of the mother playing with their, with their daughter. And that really hit for her. Um, And so I think like those little moments, had the land to have like any emotional weight to the movie. And in my opinion, they did.
1: It's interesting because I think that Greta Gorbik has a very close relationship with her mother. So actually I, I looked this up the other day on, I was looking at just lady bird uh, trivia. Um, and I think that we find this again. Cause I think that, yeah, she named the lead character, Christine after her mother. Um, so it, she clearly has that close relationship and she clearly is like bringing a lot of those experiences with her and her mother into these uh, things and then Gerwig being a mother herself having two children with Noah I think that probably did you know influence what script that she wanted to bring and who she was trying to speak to and the people that would identify with it it makes sense
0: yeah it's a, it's definitely it, it is interesting and and I liked the it it was also just meta in general and like this movie being a movie about toys but like clearly for adults right And I didn't think it was just from the pure nostalgia hit. I think her going out of her way to being like – to being like, oh, like sometimes the toys are more important to the parents because they're the ones that are going to be left with those memories really hit with me. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm happy that stuff hit. I I thought it was – I thought it was done really well. I thought specifically those flashbacks, Jed, that you were mentioning – did hit you know for for me too like i could i really did feel the emotion in those moments um and i thought they actually did a kind of a lot of heavy lifting that uh that might have you know been shaved out of the middle part of this movie a little bit um but it it made sense cuz for a while there i wasn't exactly sure where they're going with that relationship um and those those memories kind of tied it together um you know one moment that i will say i think the high point of the movie i'm curious what you guys thought I, like, I thought the first party um, with the Dua... Is it Dua Lipa? Dua Lipa, Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa, Dua Educate Lipa yourself. song. Um, I know, that was brutal. Oh, I know her music. I just, I don't know if I've ever said her name out loud. <laughs> but um, You
0: keep her name out of your mouth. Um.
2: <laughs> but um, I thought that that party was awesome. And that party oh. actually was in the trailer quite a bit. But the synchronized dancing, the set was like the Barbie houses. But the back was almost like... um i don't even know how to describe it it was like streamers like like yeah. shiny streamers just hanging throughout Dude. the whole back of the the set like, i thought it looked so cool and i just i love the song i don't know and, i was so the in day, on
0: and the dance and ken making his way across the dance floor and like yeah. brian gosling's face as he's as he's doing the dance. yeah
2: it seems I, so I, effortless i was like yeah. damn this is good directing <laughs>
0: Yeah, I agree. That was like she was show. there were a couple of moments in like the Barbie land, like early Barbie land stuff where it was true. Like, look at what I can do, you know, like those kind of uh, moments. And I-, I-, I thought for me like that, the the party scene, like really, really hit. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, let's talk about some things maybe you guys didn't like. And then we'll let's like end. On like performances and like overall thoughts, uh, so we maybe end on like a positive note because I think there are positive things to say about the performances. Yeah. Chip, so start start off, you hater.
2: Let let's no let's talk about it. Let's kind of go through the plot. A How about at this point we go through the middle part of the plot a little bit because this is what I'm most curious to okay. hear you guys take on is right after they leave Barbie Land. Okay. So
0: they leave Barbie Land.
2: Yeah. First, uh, cool, they, I think really cool sequence where so they're like cool. in the different settings. I, I like the way that they did that.
0: So they get they get to the real world yeah. because barbie needs to find the girl who's playing with her in order to make her not sad so that mm-hmm. barbie's life goes back to normal because essentially it was like a little girl is playing with you who is very sad and so this is why all these bad things are happening to you uh they get to the real world and uh ken quickly finds out that uh it is a patriarchal society uh, in the real world versus a world run by women. And man, does he think it's cool uh, to have, have some power uh, and also that horses seem to be involved. There's a lot of statues of horses. Um, and at the same time, the Mattel Corporation is and the FBI <laughs> uh, are chasing down uh, Barbie, to try to get her back into Barbie Land so that the world can go back to normal and that nobody can.
2: Yeah, kind of unclear, more.
0: right? Kind of unclear. Which like there's, I kind of thought worked. I thought the yada yada of of it all was like that was fine by we, me.
2: It was just interesting because it intermixed in what you're describing before they're on the run, we're getting long stretches of Mattel boardroom. Like we're getting six. Yes,
1: we stretches are.
2: Of Mattel boardroom and I have no idea what's going on other than they make the initial what I thought funny joke you know the like um you know we are like a company that you know diversifies and everything like you know and and having all the white guys in the room I really did like that joke but it seemed like that was the only reason for them to do that like I don't everything that happens plot wise based on the Mattel board I'm just baffled by
1: yeah I'm so I'm so out on this part of the movie. Like this, <laughs> this is for me 100% the worst part of the movie. Me and too. You guys are Will Ferrell heads. I love you and I respect you for it. I just thought Will Ferrell was not even like phoning it in. He was like faxing it in. He was like like telegraphing it in. Like whatever like outdated form of communication you want to jump back on here. I really didn't care for anything he was doing very much retreading a lot of familiar waters for him, didn't bring anything new to the table in his performance and at some point it just becomes like you, if, if Mattel is parroting itself so much that it becomes self-congratulatory again, it goes like full circle as opposed to just mocking itself and I just I just can't get on board with it and then especially when like a full ass two minute Chevy ad breaks out in the middle of that stretch <laughs> I was like, and again, I I should have been more, again, maybe this is presupposition number three or four that I'm on now, where I should have been more prepared for this. I should have been more aware that we were going to see a Barbie by Mattel movie. And I just, I just was, didn't think we would get so deep into it um, that this was going to take up 20 minutes of the movie. And then return later on much, much heavily.
2: Can I just comment on Will Ferrell? I... Got really bummed out there for a minute because I love to see Will Ferrell. I'm not even going to necessarily say he was phoning it in. I'm not sure I agree there, but he was not given funny things to say. Like, I, and maybe he should have made more of what not. he had. But like, you guys
0: didn't laugh at I am the I, I, uh, what is I am the male uh, I, I'm the male nephew of a female aunt. That was hilarious.
2: I mean, I did not laugh at that. I didn't either. I will say. Damn, I thought that
0: was pretty funny.
2: <laughs> I didn't I, – I kind of laughed because it's Will Ferrell, and I was just, like, so ready to be like, Will. Um, and I did think he – like, the it would be catastrophic. Like, I thought that line reading was actually really funny, it, even though it was in the trailer again, Chip. Like, I did feel like I'd seen that a lot. Um, But, man, I, I didn't know what he was talking about, and I just did not think the jokes that he had – were funny and like it just like grinded the movie to such a halt for me. But it it, it came back. I did one, like
0: one standout for me of like the yeah. Mattel staff was Connor Swindells, uh, who played Aaron Dinkins, the guy that like delivers the me- the message to the board. Uh, you know,
1: yeah, yeah, that wasn't terrible. Like the whole like cube thing, and they're all yeah. like the matching sweater vests. It would have almost been more interesting if it was, like, yes. completely anonymous, you know, white, bland dudes running Mattel. But then when you throw it, like, it just takes me out of that self-parody when you throw in a mega-celebrity like Will Ferrell. Again, I can't say for sure if it would have worked, but I think that maybe would have been at least a little more interesting, as if it's like, yeah. we don't even want to give Mattel a face. It's going yeah. to be just complete, you know, white French toast.
2: Like, just the automaton yeah. the yeah. idea, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Um Well, Greta Gerwig, very clearly a fan of sex education, the show, because basically yes. half the cast is in this kind uh, yeah. being one of them. But uh, yeah, I know I, I I will level with you guys there. I agree. Like mm-hmm. it does slow the movie down to a halt. And like when you think about the end plot really being she has to go back and like save Barbie land like they yeah. really could, it really could have just been they come to the real world. Ken realizes that men run everything and goes back, and then they catch wind that Ken is, you know, started a patriarchy in Barbie, Land, and they have to go back. Like, they didn't need all the FBI Mattel stuff, but it just felt like a yeah. way to shoehorn Mattel, the name of Mattel in there for future branding purposes.
2: Or even if um, it's just, like, two FBI agents. You know, it would be pretty funny to see, like, an FBI field a, like agent get a call and just be, like, dead serious, being like, you're kidding me. There's another Barbie, you know, like yeah. that. And it was just, like... A Walton Goggins type doing like, you know, like quote unquote
1: serious like. thing You remember like the two Agent Johnsons from Die Hard? Yes, exactly. I'm thinking of like,
0: I'm thinking of like Mr. Mr. Bubbles from Lilo and Stitch. You guys seen Lilo and Stitch?
2: Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, Mr. Bubbles. Yeah, just have like a, a funny little D plot with like a couple of funny guys or gals. Um, just like very seriously trying to track down a Barbie and, you know, finding little clues along the way, you know, just like a, a massive like pink dress or something, you know, like in a, in a changing room that was left behind or something like that. I don't know. Um, it just didn't quite have to be as much because I will say I kind of like the Barbie stuff happening in the real world, at least like the idea of her being confronted with people, To me, much more effectively satirizing Barbie or not even satirizing, but like um, criticizing, I guess, in a way and and kind of bringing its flaws to the to the front, um, I thought was actually interesting. And I I was liking the dynamic that it created.
0: Yeah, no, I agree 100 percent. I think that like a lot of that early stuff worked for me, like in the in the real world, like even the even the difference when they're rollerblading in Venice Beach. And she's like, don't you just feel like there's this weird undertone of violence, like with everyone staring? And he goes, "Nope, no violence at all. Just pure admiration like that, <laughs> that like those those jokes that were like so on the nose. That's where yeah. I thought the movie like worked. And like what it was trying to do is a lot of those jokes that I feel like could have gone wrong. They were able to make land, in my opinion, at least. But um, what? what a, OK, so we're kind of at this middle third, this Mattel part. What, towards, like, the end, you guys didn't like, uh, Mojo Dojo Casa House? Not a big fan? It was funny. It
1: was, it was, it, it was funny, like, I mean, it's just the tough part, because the hardest I laughed in the movie was at the Ken stuff, and I think that was kind of intentionally. They de- they definitely did feed a lot of the, I don't know, levity and the, like, tension-breaking stuff to, uh, to our Kens, Um uh, but yeah, like, it was, it was funny, I in, didn't hate it. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't hate seeing like really gorgeous men with the most incredible bodies you've ever seen put on like ridiculous costumes and dance around. And like, like all like it's so I, it's so funny how close the movie gets to homoeroticism. Like it, it does to a certain extent, but it also is like so straight that it doesn't get homoerotic. And you almost like kind of wish it was a little bit more. But it's it, it was fun.
0: Come on, man. Alan was dripping homoeroticism. Big salute, Alan. Alan.
1: Big salute to Alan. Big
2: salute to Alan. Michael Sarah was really good. Um, This was the part that kind of surprised me the most. Like, I actually did like... It felt like a pretty decently decently big swing, I thought, to kind of go all the way back around to, uh, you know, Ken coming back and just trying to immediately, like, impart this, like... (laughs) You know, male dominant society. It was just like not something that I expected, but I thought was and you know, and I, pretty funny. But the set design thought, was
0: awesome. I thought kind of bold too. That like she basically says like in like a way she takes. That's where I thought she does like makes the biggest dig at women is like how easily they like the Barbies fell into the patriarchal society. Like she walks back and they're all just happy to be like Bruski, Bruski. You know, like that to me was. Was uh, where I thought it, it definitely gets like two sided in the jokes, and I i don't like get. I mean, obviously, I think it's a lot of the Fox News people who are making those like, you know, this movie is anti men. Um, so,
2: what but, was she saying with that? I'm curious. Like, with
0: that specifically,
2: I, 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 or do was, you want like my overall? Specifically, with meta, like meta how thoughts? quickly the women, like, I understand, you know, I understood the Ken's arc. I was just like what, what do you think the message is in like the women turning so quickly is it just because it's something new and they're toys so it's like however somebody wants to play with them they go along with it or like
1: i, I don't think some yeah. of it is it's like it's like baby's first feminism um in a lot of ways i think it's like it's that it is i think in some ways marketed and geared towards i don't know how to phrase this right this is uh, such delicate territory i am tiptoeing it is a learner's manual for the barbies because this is something they are just so not used to they have to get radicalized and re-educated by america Ferrera with such mm-hmm. a kind of baseline um line of thinking that isn't even and i think that Maybe one key to understand this movie is like that's a baseline of thinking for people in a make believe world. It is mm-hmm. a baseline of, of thinking and politics for people who don't exist in the real world, but it's for Barbies who live in Barbie land. Um, so I think that affects how they fall into and then are easily pulled out of that patriarchal society a little bit because it is make believe. I think that's part of it.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think like what Evan's getting at is like, what is she trying to say about women in that moment? You know, that they like fall in so easy. I think there could be a little bit of it. That's like a toy thing. Um, I think in my head, it was just like a little bit of like how easy it is when that's just the way things are right. Like, like Ken comes back and he just goes, Hey guys, look how, look how things are. Like, look how things can be this is how things are in the real world so they should be like this here and then like obviously the barbies are are designed to mirror the real world and so what they do is they fall into like that real that trap of the real world and i think the ending for me isn't okay things are better because barbies are back in control now it is very much like neither side should be like "Quote unquote" in control, like men, it shouldn't be entirely matriarchal or, or patriarchal. I think it it was it becomes more about balance, and I think like the Kens end up being liberated from the patriarchal society so that they can like actually do the things they want to do and be interested in what they're interested in. Like you know, Ken makes the joke like, "Oh, I was I really just got interested in the patriarchy because I thought it was about horses, and then I, after that, I, you know, after I realized that wasn't the case, it wasn't that." into it anymore but they just keep going because that's what they feel like they should do right that's how they feel like it should be Mm -hmm. um and at the end you know it's like just be ken like be you be who you are and i saw to me that was like the crux of the movie was it was very much like yes it was it was extremely feminist it was a it was about like the issues that women go through but i also thought it was just a commentary on like it was i don't know it's commentary on feminism not being like anti-men at the same time
2: Yeah, absolutely. It definitely seemed like that was the case. Um, And yeah, it. I just realized the horse is just a man extender. What might have been the the biggest laugh that I had in this year. I think that's what he said. Uh, I realized they're just a man extender. Like that's such a funny joke. I think like and something that's not rooted in any that. That to me is like wholly original, you know, like it's not drawing on, you know, a reference or something like that, which I think can be really funny. But I do really appreciate when a joke just kind of comes out of thin air. Um, She said,
0: she said, like in an interview, that like the whole horses thing came like when they were sitting around trying to be like, all right, someone came to the new world, like, and was trying to figure out. She was like walking around, and she's like, there's a lot of statues of horses, and like a lot of like art with horses on it and like that's people true. might just think like horses run the world and so like that was how it all that's how it all got started that's um, yeah that is pretty funny have you guys
1: ever ridden a horse because it's, it's a lot of fun
0: i, I have I yeah never no, i mean, it's, a...
2: it's quite good um, never have good. they're 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 a scary animal to me i will
1: say no they're not scary would they're definitely so recommend you just need you big. just got to go to the right right ra- the right ranch get the right okay. wrangler they'll talk you through everything it's a good time okay It looks
2: really fun. It just looks like I think of it almost the same way I think of like skydiving. It's
1: weird. Oh, interesting. Not Uh, not even close, brother, man. Not even
0: close. uh, Not even close. You got to get yourself on a horse, Ken. Um, (laughs) A man extender. Man extender. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I like that kind of that stuff that worked. That worked for me. Um, Yeah. Any. All right. Any other major qualms with the movie? I think we kind of like danced around it a little bit. Like, you know, plot kind of stops. The unescapable feeling of like this is a giant ad. Shout out to air. Um, you know, is like, is there anything else? Like, what about the ending? Like, the actual ending, ending, you know, did it it's, feel too saccharine for you?
1: That was that, that actually was maybe the best joke of the movie. Was the ending,
0: which kind of call the
1: gynecology joke, the gynecologist joke? Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that 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 landed so good.
0: It, yeah, it I'm, sorry, did. I'm about that. I was like, oh, my God, like, Chip's going there. It's just going fully. I was talking about, like, the ending moment between her and Ruth, who's, like, the founder of Barbie. Also, if you didn't know, the the old woman on the bench who she interacts with and says you're beautiful is – that's actually – that's Barbara. Like, that's the mm-hmm. daughter of the founder of Barbie who Barbie is named after. So I thought that was just a nice little Easter egg. Cute. A very a very good scene as well. Yes, very it good. It is a good scene.
2: Great, Margot, in that scene. Um Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, like, I I was very distracted by the actual plot of this movie, which was the Mattel board com- I was getting so confused about the, they don't want to sell the Mojo Jojo, Mojo Dojo Casa house, because it's making money, but they are feminist, but then they go and shoot down normal Barbie until the analyst says it'll make money, like, I felt, I honestly got a little distracted before some of the final emotional moments, um, but... I, I thought, you know, the, the final scene was, uh, you know, with the spirit of Ruth Handler or whatever was like, you know, an she's interesting got, scene.
0: She's got an office on the 16th floor. That was for me, that was the best Will Ferrell line <laughs> reading of the whole thing. Her ghost has an office on the 16th yeah. floor. Yeah. <laughs> incredible stuff. Um, Chip, anything else that you want to? say that you didn't like, and then let's quickly touch on performances and, and let's give it a grade.
1: Yeah, it's it's a movie that wants to have its cake and eat it too, and I have no problem with a movie that has ambition for it. I think more filmmakers should do that. More filmmakers should take big swings, try to get as much as they can. You know, it, Take what you can, leave nothing back, right? Um And I just thought this movie tried to eat a little too much cake and have a little too much cake on the side, and I just didn't think it was that successful in that extent. Um And also... At the end of the day, it also kind of just isn't for me, and that's okay. Sometimes movies aren't for you, um, and we take it on the chin, and we move on.
0: All right. Uh, yeah. Any standout performances? I think we talked about Margot. We talked about Ryan Gosling. Uh, I mean, Michael Cera, uh obviously, as Alan absolutely incredible when he beats up the like starts the fight with the construction workers and he goes i'm alan i'm ken's buddy oh it's close to me and he like, just says like his, his his tagline from the alan box that uh yeah that did, did crack me up There's i really like Issa ray yeah i Issa thought was she
2: is, as president barbie I, I thought she had a couple of funny um cut-ins and honestly i was kind of left wanting to see a little bit more of those side Barbies and side Kens. And I think that was kind of part of maybe the point a little bit, you know, where it's like, even though they're on the, they're on the outskirts, but they, they all are interesting. Like they all, you know, are very like beautiful people, but also have cool, like, you know, costume designs and stuff like there's a reason these toys were so popular. Like they look really cool, I think. So I thought Issa Rae's like just, you know, her energy was fun
1: she was great hey. uh kingsley Benadire, i thought was really good one of the better yes. barbies yes um, i did not like Movie. yeah and it's tough because that guy's also got his own baggage that you're bringing in so you look at performance yeah. and it's hard to kind of look past some of the, the baggage he's bringing in um but yeah he just was like it was he, he was just very it, i want to use the word plastic but that almost doesn't work for this movie because it's a movie about plastic dolls um but I didn't actually think that he had a lot of range. Like Gosling has a lot of range, even though he is a a literal caricature. Um, but Simo Lee was just one thing and one thing only the entire movie. Like he just can't get that one smile off his face, and I feel like that's you gotta have a little more. Like Gosling, he does so many faces. Like when he's sulking so many. in the corner at oh. that first party that Evans talking about. That's I don't know how you pull that off in a movie like this and make it very very believable. Um, he plays a very shallow. Gosling plays such a shallow character with so much depth. Is is the best paradoxical way I can think of his performance.
0: I I a hundred percent agree. Yes. I thought that uh, I I thought that Gosling like put on a show. Um, as far as like his acting ability, like the way to like seem so so stilted and so plastic and so toy like, um, but also show that range of motion was, uh, was really good. Um, anybody else? How? What do you guys think of America Ferreira? Because I actually thought she was pretty good.
2: I thought she was good too. Uh, I I thought she delivered the big monologue well. Um, and you know, I think she had an interesting part to play. You know, because she's like. She's an adult who's playing with toys, and like we got to explain why she's doing that, and and we got to buy into her, you know, emotional um, arc. And I, 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 felt I did.
0: I, I thought it was interesting that they make her like work at Mattel. That <laughs> was that was like a. I again, was confused weird
2: for a bit. Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to kind of figure it out there for a while. Like what, how she tied in? They're they're cutting to her a lot, and I was just like, okay, let's.
1: Let's let her it, do something. It is it is wild. I just want to give one more shout out to Margot Robbie though, just for like literally yeah. being Barbie. Yes. You know, we talk a lot about characters who sink into their performances so that you lose them. It's it's almost like Margot Robbie brings everything that you know about Margot Robbie and everything that you know about Barbie puts them into one performance and they almost seem inseparable. Part of that is because Margot Robbie, her career is very much influenced off of being like a very famous, conventionally attractive blonde woman. And she's fusing that with the toy that in one way or another started that trend or, or influenced that trend. So in a way she's almost like talking to herself throughout the movie, um, which I think, I, I don't think that I'm eager to run back to this movie, but I do think that that performance is something that does bear like some worthy analysis um in like the cultural context of Robbie's filmography especially where it goes from here um and the ideas of beauty and centers of beauty which I think the movie hits on well in some ways maybe not as well in some other ways someone smarter than me can speak to that um but Margot Robbie for sure is is She's just one of like our best actors, and I think it's hard to like not understate that she and Greta Gerwig and and of course Gosling and everyone else have taken this movie to over a billion dollars at the box office. That's again that that's Patel at the same time. So again, we're I'm talking a lot of paradoxes here, but Robbie I, can't be
0: understated. I felt watching this movie that it was like true movie star stuff, like the kind of movie stars that don't like exist a ton anymore. Um. I, I thought she was amazing, both just as like somebody that you could just watch the entire movie and, and you know, playing the character of Barbie. Um, all right. You guys want to give it a grade?
1: Don't yeah. be too harsh
0: or I'll have to beat you off. Let me. <laughs> <laughs> Not if I beat
1: me off. Not if I beach me off first.
0: Jed. No one's beaching anyone off. Anyone else off. Um all right, go ahead, Chip. What were you going to say? Yeah, let
1: let me go first, and I'm just going to throw out a C plus so we can move on. Um, That's I w- So higher than I, I was I, anticipating I, from you. Yeah, yeah. Um, the singing in the rain montage. We're going to talk about singing in the rain next week, not to get too deep into spoilers and looking ahead. But that the the obviously I'm just Ken is a very good song, and the. Old Hollywood homage with again, I thought Simuli did do well in these in these dancing scenes because it plays to like his, his physicality and his um, like literal stature, um, same, same with Ken and Ryan Gosling. Um, but that, that is certainly something that I think deserved a, a pretty good shout out because it's so well choreographed and so well performed and sung uh, and, and staged that um, you know, you almost wish there was a little more of that in the movie.
2: It's a very long song as well. We should mention it is.
1: It's it's broken up a little bit, right? It maybe it's like maybe you should actually contain it to the three minutes of the song <laughs> is as opposed to like spraying it out with the battle sequences. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not an editor. Um, yeah. I mean,
2: that's a that's that's not a bad grade at all. I, I'm gonna give it a B. I'm gonna give it a B. Um, it's almost a B plus. I I'm sure it will be on second viewing. I really want to see it again, um, because some of those jokes were moving pretty quickly and and like. You know, the over explaining or the mansplaining the Godfather on the couch, you know, when you hear somebody hasn't seen it is just like. It hits me it hits me pretty deep and it's something that i can appreciate um but also the you know the bbc pride and prejudice is is unfortunately also something i can sort of relate to in a way and i will say in a great way i thought of jet a little bit <laughs> during that part because i was like i feel like this is kind of a, a a dead eye lock on you if you're on the couch you know not feeling too well or something on a tuesday but um evan can you I, imagine I really though did if think there was like a insightful. michael
1: mann or a miami vice joke in there it, there
2: you go if they would have had like yeah exactly if it was like collateral and miami vice double feature but that, I, that joke that would but the thing was the
0: joke birthday the joke wasn't for men right the joke was was for the women in the yes. audience and, yes. and what was the most like the most exactly. broad most stereotypical it was the godfather for sure um love it i, I had it as b plus a minus territory i think like like, I thought it was very good. I think if I could give it, I'm like, basically like between 4.25 and four and a half stars is kind of the way I feel about it. I think it's very good. Like, it's not without its flaws, but I'm just very impressed with the way she was able to execute a movie about a fucking toy. Like, with all the branding associated, uh, I think to come up with this concept, I think it was great, and I think it made me more excited, like... I went through a bit of a depression lull when I'm like, oh, my God, we're losing Greta. You know, she's not going to be doing, um, you know, the movies that we want from her, at least in the near future. Right. She's going to go direct to Chronicles of Narnia movies. Um, and then she sounds like she wants to be a big time director. And I think this for me was just like, you know what, I- I'm going to ride with her because she still was Greta in even in this movie, um, even with all the baggage, all the weight, she still did the things that I love from her. And uh, so I think if there is a big winner, I think the two winners are Robbie and, and Greta in my mind um, for this. So, and also shout out to the first ever female director to gross over a billion dollars at the box office. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, any, uh, any parting thoughts on, on Barbie
1: uh, stream, little woman and, and lady actually buy little woman and lady bird. That's my, there tip. we go. Buy them. Yeah,
0: those are every year movies, so buy it and just re-run it back
1: every year. Um, I, I would
2: not be, I would not be uh, surprised at all if Margot was in Best
0: Actress talks. I, I agree. I think she'll be nominated. I don't know if she'll win. Um, but I think Greta for Best Director might be a, a shout too, especially with how much like production uh, went in that. And this is just a shoe in for. I mean, it's gonna be Barbenheimer all again for like production design and costumes and then <laughs> and all that. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It could be really good production design,
2: a really good production design category. I think Ashford city should be involved in there. And I feel like killers of the flower moon is going to be, you know, that like a sprawling, you know, Western, I feel like is, uh, is prime time, you know, building
0: out those, those towns. Only if we could see the wolves in the picture. Um, all right. Thank you guys as always for listening. If you haven't already, Follow us on Twitter at Flick and Scream, on Instagram at Flicking and Screaming. Join the conversation at flickingandscreaming.com, where there uh, is more content supporting the pod, including a couple of blogs. Uh, Most recently, Evan's blog about one Robert Yeoman, an ode to uh, some of our great cinematographers. Next week, we are going to be talking about singing in the rain, and we're going to have a very, very special guest. I'm excited. This is like a foundational movie. My love. A uh, film uh, and of old Hollywood. I'm excited to be chatting about it. I think there's a lot uh, in conversation with Barbie. So until then, Jed Sprague, JT Chipman, Evan Gundis, have a good one, everybody. See ya. See ya, everybody. And now the starting lineup for your J-Stars. What's up, guys? I'm, a I'm not gonna debate you, Jerry. God bless the internet.